The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. What I've just described is a rare situation again. I, I had actually never seen it uh, happen, certainly not, you know, uh, a film the way that it was, you know, for, for frankly, the world to see. That this was something different than they'd seen before ever. Nothing like this that I can remember. We're gonna... 100 times a weekend, I might say 500 times a weekend, there is a play almost exactly like that. A guy makes a hard tackle on a six foot four, 220 pound receiver, T. Higgins, and it is normal as anything you ever see in the NFL. So there was great, great anticipation for this game. Uh, the TV rating on this game would have been out of, the, out of this world. I've been involved in this game for 55 years. 55 years. As a player, a high school player, college player, professional player, and as a coach. And uh, never witnessed anything like this for 55 years. This is not normal. This is not what we anticipate seeing. We don't know how to, we don't know how to process this. We're angry. We're emotional right now. We have no answers. Really, I've never seen this. Former players we've spoken to say they've never seen anything like this. They've never seen anything like that collapse, nor the instant reaction where clearly all the players you're seeing now knew that something was very very wrong there. You saw this has never happened before in the NFL. We, we've had severe injuries on the field, but nothing like what we saw. Like this is, um, yeah, this is unprecedented. I mean, it hasn't happened. I mean, you see yeah, very serious injuries. You see, you see sort of EMTs sort of called on the field occasionally, but this is next level. And it's just sort of hard to get your head around what it could mean other than that a you know young man seems to be in very, very critical condition right now. And we don't know anything. Never seen anything like it say all the the talking heads those familiar with uh, the sport lots of uh, violent collisions every weekend in professional football and yet this is uh, one of the first time i guess maybe the first time this something like this has ever happened it just seems like we're seeing it more and more aren't we you're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website. That would be thetrumpet.com. You see it there. Well, not yet, but you will see it on the lower third, hopefully. Thetrumpet.com. Just go to the forward slash live on that uh, web address, and it takes you to the live stream. comes to you every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. Of course, you can get the program Download it to your device if you prefer to listen to it on demand. You can also listen to it on demand on our website. The, uh, the trumpet address or the email address, td at thetrumpet.com, if you'd like to submit some, uh, some feedback. So as I say, and I'm sure everyone has seen the footage of this co another collapse on a ball field. It's happening on soccer fields. It's happening uh, in basketball gymnasiums. And now football just this sudden death collapse. I mean, he he died, basically. They just brought him back to life, but uh, no breath, no uh, no pulse. 
sudden death syndrome. It's happening all over the world. And we'll come to that in just a second. The statistics. You know, a lot of these talking heads emphasized last night just how rare that, that blunt force trauma, you know, when you get hit in the, the chest region and it catches your heartbeat at just the, at just the wrong time, throws everything off, and then you, you have a heart attack. And the Bills team has confirmed it was cardiac arrest, so it was a heart attack. But what caused it? And, of course, the elephant in the room is that nobody, nobody would even talk about the vaccine and how that so many professional athletes, particularly, particularly in Europe and the United States, have all gotten the vax. They've gotten the jab. They've gotten the booster. Is there a relation? And we're seeing the, the, the unbelievable rise in excess deaths since May of last year. The, the numbers, it, if you just look at the numbers alone, considering how rare, I forget the name of it, commotio cordis, that's the blunt force on the heart. And it can happen with sports like baseball or hockey, where you've got an object, a, a solid object coming at you fast, you miss the catch and it catches you right on the heart. But it's more common, it's not even common at all. But if it's to happen, a lot of times it's with young people in little leagues because they're not fully, they're not fully developed just yet. But some, I heard someone, a doctor this morning, say that she's never, she's not, she doesn't know if it's ever happened in the National Football League as brutal as the collisions are in that sport. So it's, it's ext- on, on that side, it's extremely rare. But what is becoming more and more common just over the last year? That would be myocarditis, the enlarged heart, and the sudden death syndrome. People just collapsing. And young people at that. And yet no one would even bring it up. And those that did... Someone sent me a clip from a a prominent doctor in Canada who right away said, here are all the reasons why it's not related at all to the vaccine. I mean, this is a well-respected doctor in Canada, and it seems like they're a little bit sensitive. And we'll get to the why of it here in just a moment. But, But you talk about raising awareness from just ordinary Americans. This is perhaps one of the highest rated football games of the season. You had the two top teams in the AFC vying for the home field advantage. 20 mil, uh, an estimated 20 million viewers tuning in to see the Bills and the Bengals. And I think this happened in the, the first quarter. I wasn't watching the game. Someone texted me, and then I saw the news coverage about the incident. Pretty graphic. Damar Hamlin. Is it myocarditis? Is it connected to the vaccine, or was it just... Uh, you know, uh, a heart attack for a 24-year-old. In either case, as you just heard from that opening uh, montage, uh, it's never happened before. Never seen anything like this, say these career footballers. Never. Nothing like it. Recently, the former NFL, I think he's an offensive lineman for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he collapsed and died at 38 38 years of age, that happened just, I think, at the end of last week. A 38-year-old, he was pro-vax. Let me tell you, TMZ says this, the former Purdue and Jacksonville Jaguars offensive lineman, Nawanery is his last name, 
has tragically died after he was found unresponsive in his wife's Indiana home on Friday. He was only 38. It says here the, the, the Tippecanoe County Office of the, the coroner tells us while the official cause hasn't yet been determined, their initial preliminary report indicates Uche died of an enlarged heart with acute heart failure. He just suddenly collapsed. No collision, no uh, blunt force trauma, nothing, just a sudden collapse. 38 years of age, he had an enlarged heart with acute heart failure. He tweeted this out in 2021. Okay, so let's get these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports up and running as soon as possible. We're seeing children die from the unvaccinated selfishness. Pregnant women at risk too. Protect life. Mandate the vaccine. Jail anyone who refuses to protect life. If you don't get the vaccine, put them in jail. That's what he was thinking. He's now dead. Who knows how many jabs he got? 38, sudden death syndrome. Listen to this exchange. This is the former head of the UK trade team on ONS. Not sure what that is. His name is James Wells. He's on with Nigel Farage on uh, GWTV over in the UK, clip 10. And, you know, th these excess deaths have been going on since May. Like you said, it averages out about, about 1,000 a week. Yeah. It, 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 as I, say, I, yeah, I look yeah, at these yeah. figures every week. I try to ignore it to begin with, but you can't now, can you, after eight months? Well, the thing is, I think the reason we can't ignore it is because it's across all age groups, and, and particularly in the young. Um, we're seeing um, 10 to 15% excess deaths in the age group between 24 and 59. And when you dig down into the data, it's actually heart, con heart attacks, mm -hmm. heart conditions that are causing these deaths. That's just the UK. A thousand excess deaths per week happening every single week. As I say, if you just look at the statistics from the past year, how can you fault someone for asking straight away, is it connected to the vaccine? The commentator from Arizona, Charlie Kirk, he asked it, and of course they gang-tackled him. He's a monster. He's a monster for suggesting it could be connected, the, the collapse at that football game last night. You can't even talk about it. I mean, that's some kind of wheel worship. And then you dig into the stats. I mean, Nigel Farage there said he tried to ignore it. That's a conservative commentator saying, I tried to overlook this. I tried to ignore this, but I couldn't. I just couldn't. And yet still, you've got, they asked Jill Biden, what's your, uh, what's your advice for the year 2023? Get the vaccination. Get the vaccine. They, they talk, by the way, these two, uh, what's his name, Wells and Farage, about how that they, and we've covered, before on, we've covered it before on this program, how that the UK authorities just quietly set aside AstraZeneca. That was another one of the vaccines for COVID. You, you can't even call this a vaccine. I mean, all vaccines have side effects, but this is an experimental drug with these spike proteins, and now we know. We're far enough into it where we know. Even the CDC will acknowledge that there's connections here to myocarditis, heart problems. Looking at the stats alone, that's your first, and that, you can be sure, the millions and millions of people watching that game last night, that that was their first thought, and yet all of these talking heads, who readily admit, never seen anything like it. They, they hurry in the special doctors who say, 
Yeah, it's, uh, what is it called? Commotio cordis. We know for sure. Hardly ever happens. But that's, that's surely what this is. How can the Canadian doctor come out with all the reasons why it's not related to the vaccine when he's looking at it on TV just like you and I did? There's some people here getting a little bit nervous about some of these statistics. Talk now, at least on some programs, like with Nigel Farage. Here's another clip from that show, Clip 11. So basically, we've got an um, excess deaths, an average of around 1,000 a week. It, it, it comes out around 10%, give or take a few percentage. And this is consistent week on week since May. So it's been going on for a long time now. There's something going on there that poses a question. This isn't just a, an anomaly. This is something that's happening. This isn't just an anomaly. It's actually happening. And it's happening throughout Western nations in particular. He says 10%. Some nations have been around 10 to 15% excess deaths. I mean, that's huge. And then what makes this even more criminal and scandalous is the fact that, as he said in the first clip, it's happening to people between 24 and 59. That, that Hamlin athlete last night, 24 years of age, just a few years older than my own son, 24. It's sad to see. Everyone drops down to their knees and starts praying. I mean, that's another side to this story as well. Suddenly, we're a praying nation. These same people that are advocating for that now, if there's a school shooting or something like that, I mean, they just get so nasty. Don't talk to me about prayer. Get rid of the guns. And then a celebrity goes down. And we're all praying now? Okay, I, I understand the ground rules. What has happened to our nation, to our people? The next issue of the trumpet coming out, the modern-day Romans, you know all about this one, ready for war. This is uh, the January issue. The February issue, we just had it uh, referred to in the morning brief today. We've gone the way of Rome. We're so far removed from God to just blindly go along, to follow the mob, and to ignore reality. This is from Rasmussen. Died suddenly. More than one in four think someone they know died from COVID-19 vaccines. That's a Rasmussen poll. And the guy that headed it up, he was on with Steve Bannon yesterday talking about how that, yeah, we used to be on Fox all the time, but, uh, but you know, they're not going to have us on with this poll. No, no. That's, I mean, 28% of Americans think they know someone who died from the vaccine. That's more than one in four. And I think it's something up like 59% that believe it's legitimate to question the efficacy of the vaccine and, and whether or not it's even helping or, or maybe hurting. says here, nearly half of Americans think COVID-19 vaccines may be to blame for many unexplained deaths, and more than a quarter say something they know could be among the victims. Someone they know, I should say. It's not even brought up last night. I was watching. I was flipping from ESPN over to Fox. You saw in the montage there some clips from MSNBC, CNN. What about all of these excess deaths? 
Should we pray about that? A thousand, a thousand excess deaths per week in the UK alone? You can't ignore the numbers. Nigel Farage tried to, but he can't anymore. Not anymore. These excess deaths, they're happening all over the place. It just so happens that the one last night was in front of a, a stadium crowd of 65, 70,000 people and approximately 20 million viewers on TV. Everybody saw it. They all saw the ambulance drive into the field and cart him off. The CPR, the heart shock, all those things going on. The latest Rasmussen Reports National Telephone and Online Surveys finds that 49% of American adults believe it is likely that side effects of COVID-19 vaccines have caused a significant number of unexplained deaths. That's half the country, according to one poll. You would think this poll alone would be, or the guy, the guy behind it, would be making the rounds on Fox, on ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, The Washington Post, New York Times. I'm not sure what kind of publicity it's getting, but judging by the reaction last night, it's probably been blotted out. Who cares what Americans are thinking? Just don't even talk about it. Don't even bring it up. Blot out the truth. 48% of Americans believe there are legitimate reasons to be concerned about the safety of the COVID-19 vaccines. And yet you look at what some of the commissioners of these sports, these, uh, sports uh, uh, groups are doing or saying, pressuring the athletes into getting, you can remember the Bills player, I think his name was Beasley from a couple years ago or a year ago who didn't want to take the vaccine and he came under fire for that position. Aaron Rodgers, he's taken an unpopular position. But most have just gone along. I don't know the vaccine status of Hamlin. And if we find out later that it was uh, blunt force, I mean, either way, it's a tragedy for sure. But what about the discussion that there should be on every, on every program about these people dying suddenly all over the Western world? And then what about the studies that are now coming through two years on into this vaccine experiment, into this mRNA uh, experiment, this experimental drug? The Wall Street Journal. Are vaccines fueling new COVID variants? It says here, notably, workers who had received more doses were at higher risk of getting sick. Did you hear this, Jill Biden? Justin Trudeau, did you hear this? His wish for the new year, same as Jill Biden's. Hey, get the vaccine. This is the Wall Street Journal. The more you get, the more jabs you get, the higher risk of getting sick. Those who received three uh, more doses were 3.4 times as likely to get infected as the unvaccinated, while those who received two were only 2.6 times as likely. Now, I'll, I'll go slow and see if you can wrap your mind around this if you're new to the show. If you don't get the vaccine, you're less likely to get sick. That's the gist of this article. It says here, this is not the only study to find a possible association with more prior vaccine doses and higher risk of COVID-19, the authors of the study know. 
We still have a lot to learn about protection from COVID-19 vaccination, and in addition to a vaccine's effectiveness, it is important to examine whether multiple vaccine doses given over time may not be having the beneficial effect that is generally assumed. Well, they're a little bit late. They're a little bit late <laughs> to the game here, aren't they? We're two years into it. There's a, an article in... Uh, it came in from our Canadian office. The Western Standard, vaccine injuries are the sleeper issues that will rear its head in 2023. Yeah, we're just a couple days. Look at the start we're off to in this new year. Several medical professionals, much smarter than I, have made some dire predictions about what will happen to people who took the COVID-19 vaccines. I won't detail them here, but suffice it to say, this is an issue that urgently needs addressing. The human body has a miraculous ability to heal itself, but until humanity as a whole is aware of what happened, we will continue to see the growing trend of people dying suddenly. There's a documentary out that goes by that name, and it's had 15 million views. 20, some 20 million people watched that football game last night. The Rasmussen poll says 28% of Americans know somebody who died from the vaccine. No wonder they're not getting the boosters anymore. It's something, it's like down to 10%. We played that, we played that clip for you from Peter McCullough. Let me just play the, the, the clip again. I think this is from last week, clip seven. In terms of people keep taking boosters, we're down to about 10% of Americans. So how do 90% of Americans, how did they know to stop taking vaccines? Yeah. I, I don't think it's by watching CNN. Yet. No. 7 to 8% of people end up in the, the ER or in urgent care and the family members talk to each other. Two-thirds of Americans in the Zogby survey said they took a vaccine. And they asked them, well, what happened? 15% of people have some new medical problem that they are now seeking care after taking the vaccine. Well, those 15% talk to other people. There's a Michigan State survey. 22% of Americans know somebody who's either died or been seriously injured after COVID-19 vaccination. That 22% talks to other people. So it's rare now yes. that you'd mm -hmm. ever encounter anybody yeah. who says that they haven't heard something. See, McCullough says there it's 22% and Rasmussen backs it up. 28%. And his point is, you can see why people are, are not going to get the booster shot, even if they've been vaxxed once or twice. And then this, co this uh, w Wall Street Journal article comes out. Are the vaccines actually fueling the new COVID variants? We, we made this point, by the way, without all of the studies and the surveys to back it up. We made this point, what was it, October 7th, 2021. So this is this is 15, 15 months ago, what you heard on the, the Trumpet Daily, clip 12. You hear that it's a, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. You, and when you hear it over and over again, what's, the, what's that the first sign of? That it's, that it's probably exactly the opposite. And now we're beginning to see it's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the vaccinated. You have all of these self-righteous, fully jabbed celebrities, commentators saying it's the unvaccinated. They're a grave danger to me. I've been vaccinated, but they're dangerous. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Now, I don't want to set off a widespread panic here, but it's the unvaccinated who should be concerned about hanging around the vaccinated. That's what's fueling this wave. 
Look at the stats. 352,000 dying last year, and yesterday we surpassed that for this year. We're not even into halfway of, we're not even halfway into October. Joe Biden's been in office less than nine months. And no matter how much he says, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. It's not going to help the problem. It's hurting. It's hurting people. It's making people sick. It's causing people to keel over from blood, blood clots and heart attacks, brain hemorrhages. It's the vaccine. I'm sorry to say it's the vaccine. I know no one else will say it. It's the vaccine that's causing the spread of this disease. And now if you like the Wall Street Journal piece, they're coming around to, uh, <laughs> to bring the numbers to show it, to prove it, as they should. But the, the, the intense pressure coming from the devil to just submit to the will of people like Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Tony Fauci, Justin Trudeau. But look at what's being exposed. Look at the level of awareness that's being raised. Even this week, Elon Musk, he announced earlier this week that the Fauci files are coming out. He's the one that said, you know, his pronouns were, what was it, prosecute Fauci? We'll see what those files have to say or what they reveal. Fauci, for his part, I mean, he's just a couple weeks ago, he's talking about how nice it is for people to idolize him and to put him up on a pedestal. But he says, you know, I, I'm not really impressed by that. And then as if right on cue, here comes the New York Times with its puff piece last week. After half a century, Fauci prepares for life after government. Notice the first sentence of the New York Times piece. The walls in Dr. Anthony Fauci's home office are adorned with portraits of himself. Portraits of himself. And the New York Times, I guess the New York Times just loves this. Fauci certainly does. Now He says later in the article, well, they come in from fans and I don't want to offend them, so I just put them up on the wall. Will worship. In America Under Attack, the booklet that we promote so often on this show, here you are, America Under Attack, the 800 number, one 930 My father says, there's a definite reason why masses of people have done and are doing insane things. Insane things. It stems from people trusting their own will, relying on and exalting their emotions, urges, and even reasonings, rather than submitting to God's will. See, this is what we need always and forever, to submit to God's will. What does God say? What does God say about health or, or drugs or, or putting poisons into your body to, to supposedly negate other poisons? What is God, what's God's position on that? People don't ask that. And then even when they see their experiments blow up in their faces, they still, they still act like it's perfect. Jill Biden, hey, 2023, happy new year. Get the jab. You better get the jab. Can we at least hit the pause button long enough? 
to make sure it's not hurting 24-year-olds? Can we do that? Is that unreasonable? Just carry on. Carry on with the will worship. Colossians 2.23. It says in America Under Attack, Paul reveals what happens when you worship the human will. It leads to worshiping demons. That's because the human mind is so vulnerable to the broadcasting deception and influence of the prince of the power of the air. See, unless we're submitted to God's will, we don't understand just how vulnerable we are to the broadcast of Satan the devil. When we come back, we'll, uh, I think we'll have enough time to talk a little bit about the race for the House Speaker here in the United States or in Washington, D.C. That's going on even as we speak. So we'll, we'll see if there's any developments coming out from, uh, from uh, the Capitol. And uh, also, hopefully, we'll have some time to finish off with our Bible study segment as well. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. The developed nations have made awesome progress. They have produced a highly mechanized world providing every luxury, modern convenience, and means of pleasure. Yet they are cursed with crime, violence, injustice, sickness and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why, if God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Is there any scenario under which you could support and vote for Kevin McCarthy? No, I won't be voting for Kevin McCarthy tomorrow. He's part of the problem. He's not part of the solution. There's nothing that indicates to me that he's going to change his pattern since he's been in leadership where he's part of the swamp cartel. He's the reason uh, on the Republican side why we passed massive omnibus spending bills like just got rammed down our throats by Republicans in the Senate. Well, what we'll do is we'll block Kevin. There'll be, uh, I, I suspect, 10 to 15 members who will vote against him on the first ballot tomorrow uh, that will vote for Andy Biggs. Uh, but then I think you'll see on the second ballot uh, an increasing number of members vote for uh, a true uh, candidate who can represent the conservative center of the conference. This was something that was just kind of dismissed a few, uh, a few months ago or a couple months ago, I guess it was, when uh, the House Republicans nominated McCarthy to go forward and those that said, well, maybe someone else should replace him. They thought, oh, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. I'm not saying it will. 
But it appears as though the uh, hardline conservatives, they've, they, their heels are dug in. And at least on the, the first vote, he's not going to have enough to become House Speaker. So it'll be really fascinating to see what happens after that. The second vote, third vote. The Democrats are all united behind Jeffries as the minority leader. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to say. Matt Gates, though, he's kind of led the charge in opposition to McCarthy, saying that, you know, if you're, if you're going to drain the swamp, you don't want to put the, the biggest alligator around in charge of the operation. Listen to what uh, another representative, Andy Biggs, he's the one who threw his name in the ring to be considered as an alternative to uh, McCarthy, and I think he did so just hoping that it would at least, it would at least open a discussion for an alternative for someone who's just more conservative, who's not just your garden variety swamp creature. This is clip four. He's, he's in total bargaining mode. And, 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 and we don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, other than the first ballot, he doesn't get it. He may lose a whole bunch more. If it goes three, four, five ballots, he's done. Um, and, and somebody else will be there. What's also interesting to watch about this development is just how the more mainstream uh, Republicans and even some conservative ones are really angry about this effort because they feel like, you know, who are you as 5, 10, maybe 15 uh, congressmen and women to stand up to 185 in your caucus or in your conference? Well, why, why, do the, why does the House speaker need a majority of votes. I mean, these practices are in place in case there are emergencies. And, and some of these conservatives are looking at the omnibus bill that just passed through before Christmas, forced its way through by the senators. Nobody really did anything to speak of to resist against it. I think that's what's given some, uh, some momentum to this anti-McCarthy movement. But that said, I mean, Fox, they're upset at Fox News. Brian Kilmeade, Newt Gingrich, he was on last night. Listen to what he had to say about the, the, any, any, any kind of resistance to Kevin McCarthy. This is clip five. The choice is Kevin McCarthy or chaos. And there's nobody going to replace Kevin because he has far more people totally dedicated to him than this handful of never-enders. And the result's going to be anybody who tried to replace Kevin would face total chaos. It would be impossible to govern. It's like this, this movement to, uh, to crush, to destroy Donald Trump. You, you just have to get him out of the way. Get these hardline conservatives out of the way, or else it's just going to lead to chaos. And, and here we're surrounded by chaos in Washington, all across the nation, as I say. Look at our next uh, issue of the Trumpet Magazine, The Modern Romans. Look at the, the trajectory we're on. And, and as I've covered so often on this program, there's so few who are willing to stand up for what's right, for what's true, for what's good for America. The spirit of surrender is just so strong. This omnibus bill, $1.7 trillion, they flew it down to St. Croix where the Bidens were enjoying the New Year's holiday. He's, he's vacation. Where is that in my notes? Last year, he took 141 days off. He doesn't have time to go to the border, but he's on vacation 38.5% of his time. 
That's the president, a fake one at that, the president of the United States. That shows you right there he's not running the country. Barack Obama's steering this ship, and he's driving it into the iceberg. He's, he's vowed to do that. Fundamental transformation of the United States. This is what he wants. Total destruction. And then they think they can somehow manage that chaos when it's all said and done. Well, there's a few standing up to it, as I say. Elon Musk, I mentioned him earlier. There was this, you know, he's coming out with the Fauci files later this week. He, uh, I don't think it was him, but someone tweeted out the fact that you get these tax write-offs for electric vehicles, and you have all of these competitors of Tesla, but somehow Tesla, probably the best-known EV out there or EV producer, somehow there's no tax write-offs for Tesla now because, well, now Elon Musk is, a, is an enemy. See, you see how it's just all pure political for Joe Obama. If Elon Musk ruffles their feathers, well, they're not going to give him any breaks. Never mind the environment, saving the environment so we can all get electric cars. All that's out the window. Forget about the green movement. Just go after Elon Musk. Just attack him. Coming back to this omnibus, though, this is from Fox News last week. One of the biggest promises by Republicans in the 2022 election season was that if they won a majority in the House, they would defund the $80 billion that Biden wants to give to the IRS so they can hire 87,000 new agents. That just quietly scooted on through with this new omnibus spending. Tom Cotton, yeah, he voted for it. McConnell, McCarthy put up little or no resistance. He's one of the biggest alligators in the swamp. Matt Gates is right. It's refreshing to see, even if it's just a few, it's refreshing to see a few stand up to the onslaught. The Bible, though, says that Jeroboam has no helper, so it wouldn't be surprising at all if McCarthy scoots on through somehow, some way today. But we'll see. We'll take one more short break and then come back to conclude with our our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Are we living in the last days? Some dismiss the notion as fanatical, but world leaders and news analysts are issuing warnings that are becoming more and more dire. Could Bible prophecies about the last days actually be accurate? Our brochure can help guide you through the relevant news and history and help you compare these events to what the Bible says. Are we living in the last days? This brochure is available for free right now at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. So we've been talking in the last couple of uh in the last couple of studies on the subject of language and communicating God's message and just how we ought to, beyond just getting the message out there, how that we ought to strive to make it a real art form, to really bring some of God's culture into our work, into the dispensation of God's truth. In the last hour, I finished with this yesterday, it says, we have a a message that must be communicated to all humanity Receiving God's message is just half the responsibility. The second part is communicating it. Communicating that message 
And what a communication job. The message must be delivered to every person ever born. So we in God's church and God's family, I mean, we've received so much in the way of new revelation, a deep understanding of God's truth. I think it's chapter 4 in our Isaiah booklet that talks about that God family vision, God's family government just spreading on out into the universe, that prophecy in Isaiah 9, never ending. The zeal of the eternal of hosts will perform this. It's an awesome universe-reaching vision. This is what we're here to spread. It says here, what good is the message if it's not declared and taught? What a failure if we don't deliver our Father's message. What a calamity. Now is the time to be a witness for God. That's the purpose of this work, to declare God, to declare the Father, to witness for God, to proclaim the truth to do it with boldness, to do it with clarity, to do it with passion and fire, to do it with, as I said yesterday, with poetry, with godly culture. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we have to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's in you. Anyone that comes forward, anyone that asks, we've got to be ready. We've got to be there ready to answer. We've got to be ready to proclaim, to declare, to give the truth. The Bible talks about God's people as being brethren or family members who fellowship often one with another. That's in Malachi 3. So there's this ongoing communication between the members of God's family and, of course, the message that goes out from that family as well. A beautiful vision. Notice this from Proverbs 30 and verse 5. It says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Every one of God's words. It's pure. Yesterday on the show, we talked about how that Samuel, the prophet Samuel, he strove to make sure not one word from God fell to the ground. I mean, that gives us quite the image, quite the visual to consider. When we sit down at our desk, we crack open our Bibles and we start going over every word. Or we start reading the Trumpet magazine or the Royal Vision magazine. And we have our minds open to the truth as it's expounded upon in those articles or in the messages that we hear. The audio messages. But we've got to really, really digest every single word. Because if it's a word of God, it's pure. There's a purity to it. It builds physical, spiritual health. God's truth. Isaiah 50, notice a couple of verses in, uh, in this chapter. Isaiah 50 and verse 4, it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the, the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakes morning by morning. He, he wakes my ear to hear as the learned. I think I gave you that Churchill quote. Uh, earlier on in this series, where he said that, uh, you know, there's some courage in every man, but it just needs to be aroused with words. It was something to that effect. That's a, that's a loose paraphrase. But he said, you know, the power of words to stir, to stir people to act, to act with courage. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. It's implied there that 
you know, we're listening to God too. That's an important part of the communication process. We can't just be talking all the time. God gives us the tongue of the learned. And how do we receive that from God? Well, by listening to him, by submitting to his will. Not will worship, but the will of God. And then to be able to bring a word in season to him that's weary, to, to be able to lift up and to strengthen those who need to be strengthened, who need encouragement. That's what God's word does for us. It really does fill us. It's, it's compared to food in the Bible. It gives us nourishment and strength. God has called us to, to, to bring strength or to give strength to the weary. This is a, a commission that's going to extend on out into the world tomorrow and even beyond, right? But it happens even today. Obviously, most people don't respond to God's message until it's too late. Sadly, but Satan's the god of this world. He's deceived the whole world. And, and most people prefer to dwell in darkness, spiritually speaking. Most of them prefer to just hear smooth things, like Isaiah 30 says, or 2 Timothy 4, instead of the truth. Just go on, you know, give us the same old, same old message, rather than the truth. It says in verse 5, this is still in Isaiah 50, the Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. See, God started to teach, and we weren't rebellious. We fed on that knowledge, that instruction. This is how you develop that, uh, that tongue of the learned, as verse 4 says. Verse 7, it continues here, For the eternal God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. See, God will help you. 1 Corinthians talks about God calling the lowly of this world. He does, but as Herbert Armstrong so often said, you know, God didn't want us to stay there, obviously. The high and mighty aren't coming into God's church. They have too much vanity, too much arrogance. He calls the lowly, not always, not every single time. There's a few exceptions. I mean, Paul himself was a pretty prominent uh, Jewish Pharisee of his day, well-educated and so on. But you see in, uh, in Acts, you know, what God had to do to really strike him down, to humble him, to get him to the point where he was looking to God and submitting to his will and not his own. But for the most part, it's the lowly of this world that God opens the minds of and brings them into the church. And when that happens, then there's a... There's a tremendous amount of education that occurs throughout this physical lifetime so that we can conform not to this world, but to God and his truth and his character and really become the royalty that God expects for us to be. We're going to lead and teach the whole world after all. As I say, this vision extends into the world tomorrow and even beyond. I'll just leave you with a few action steps to consider as you think about as you think about your role, your part in delivering this message. Of course, I'm not suggesting that we all proselytize and go door to door or start our own programs or works, but we're here to support the headquarters operation of God's church for sure. But when you think about our 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 
position in the world tomorrow as the bride of Christ, as the teachers of mankind, we certainly should be growing and developing in our abilities to communicate, to deliver a message, to be ready always to give an answer. As I read to you from Peter's epistle, the first action step you can consider, be passionate in your love for language, God's language, maybe we can add that. Be passionate for it because like we've read in the proverb, every word of it is pure. So appreciate the content and the broad perspective, obviously, but you can get into the detail of every single word and you've got a pretty accurate translation in the King James from 1611, I think it was. Ask for God to help you love the words, the pure words of God, the truth of God. Winston Churchill said, Of all the talents bestowed upon men, none is so precious as the gift of oratory. He who enjoys it wields a power more durable than that of a great king. I gave you that Shakespeare quote, Sonnet 81, where Shakespeare said, How powerful the pen is. Churchill comments on the oratory, the power of oratory. Churchill said this, The English language is one of our great sources of inspiration and strength. And no country or combination or power so fertile and so vivid exists anywhere in the world. I mean, it had a, as I said in this series earlier, it had a pretty significant impact on just even the development and formation of uh, the British Empire. The fact that they were going to all these colonies and taking with them, you know, civil order and, and education and also one common language that just bound them all together. The greatest empire this world has ever seen. Think about the impact just the English language had on the growth. Of course, God was behind it because it was prophesied. The second action step to just being passionate about language and God's culture and, and spreading the word, being ready to answer, is to cut down on screen time and spend more time with the written word. Reading, studying, cut back on screen time. This is what Herbert Armstrong wrote in his speech club manual. He said, any goal worth accomplishing is going to require effort and time. Don't expect to become a powerful, dynamic speaker overnight. It takes years to acquire a fund of knowledge about people, about the world, about events, and about human nature. It takes years to acquire a comprehensive understanding of the Bible. So, I mean, you don't want to be discouraged going in thinking, wow, I've got so much to learn, but chip away at it. Cut down on screen time and really pour over the Word of God. We don't get caught up in you know, pagan rituals, new, new Year's resolutions, and that kind of thing. But it is a new calendar year, and you're at the beginning of the first month. This is a good time to set a goal for this month for reading or for the year, getting through the church literature or books and booklets from the church or outside reading, secular sources, history books. Now would be a good time to jot down some goals for the, the weeks and the months ahead. The third action step is to journal your thoughts and ideas. Write about what you're learning, uh, what you would like to learn. Journal, poems, scriptures. If you're impacted by a scripture in your, in your Bible study, write it down in your journal. Just write it down slowly and let it process in the, in the slower sense. And it'll sink in all the more. Fill your journal with thoughts, with poems, with words. And obviously, you can fill it up with events 
you know, the activities of the day, nothing wrong with that. But this will help to, to make us deeper thinkers. We all need to be better thinkers if we're going to be better communicators for God. The fourth action step to consider in Bible study, make time for reading longer passages straight out of the Bible. Don't just let the literature do all the work for you. Get the context. That's one of the beautiful benefits of the Epistles of Paul course here at God's College, is you can just go right through the entirety of the letter and really understand. And as you study it, you get all of these memory verses that pop out at you, but you also get the context leading up to that memory verse. And then what Paul said after the fact, it's invaluable, really does add a lot to the study. The fifth action step, develop an appreciation for poetry. This is a point my father makes in uh, the form of prophets. I touched on this yesterday. Develop an appreciation for poetry. So much of the Bible is poetry. Read the book of Psalms. Some, some beautiful and pure language in that book of the Bible. The sixth action step, develop more of an appreciation for God's culture of music, dance, and singing praises to God. There's some beautiful verses in the New Testament. One of them says, Teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the eternal. Quite a few of the concerts that we sponsor, we put them up on our website so that you can tune in from around the world, but obviously those living here locally. What a wonderful, uplifting experience to go and see our shows or Celtic Throne or any of the concert series performances right here in Armstrong Auditorium, a glorious venue. Strive to appreciate that godly culture. And then finally, the seventh and final action step. We're just hurrying through these, but seven is thank God for the ability to learn and communicate. It's very simple, a simple point. It's easy to overlook this, to not do it, but give God thanks for your ability to learn and to understand, and to grow, and to communicate his message. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily, the email address, that's td at thetrumpet.com. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>